Jonah. He says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to, proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly large city. It was a three days walk across. So Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And then he cried out, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Before I continue, I just want to say that is the weirdest sermon in all of scripture. <laughs> it's very strange. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons why I kind of want to sit on that. 40 more days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. A couple of reasons why I think it's strange and why I think it probably wasn't the message that God told Jonah to share. I don't. Number one, number one reason, he doesn't mention God. He just says, hey, you're going to be destroyed in 40 days. Peace. <laughs> and again, this is, again, one of the reasons why I really don't like Jonah <laughs> is because in the midst of this, even though Jonah said, okay, God, I'll go do what you do, but I'm going to do it my way, and basically telling Nineveh, you can't do anything to rectify this. That's what he's saying. Because the second reason why I don't think this was shared by God is that there is no call to action. There is no call to repentance. He doesn't give Nineveh the chance. Jonah just says, hey, you're going to be destroyed. Goodbye. Does that, like, this is what I struggle with here, is that Jonah knows who, who God is. Jonah understands the nature of God. Jonah understands who God is at his core and his character. But Jonah again and again and again will choose to ignore the character of God. Especially in this moment. Because he says, I'm not going to give you a chance to repent. I'm not going to tell you that you even have a chance to. I'm going to tell you that you are going to be destroyed in 40 days because you are evil. And that you are so evil, there's nothing you can do that will please God. That's basically what Jonah is saying in this passage. But in, and also, Nineveh was a three days walk. And Jonah didn't even make it to the center of the city to proclaim this message. Jonah didn't even go to the four corners of the city to preach this message. Jonah didn't even go to the king to preach this message. He walked a day and said, okay, that's enough. This is this character that I, I so struggle with. But in spite of Jonah not caring, in spite of Jonah saying, oh, I'll preach this message that is odd and strange and a message that has no chance, that is a message that is hopeless, a message that is lack of love, a message that is lack of mercy, in the midst of this message, God works. And this is what I love about this story. In the midst of this strange message, it says, and the people of Nineveh believed God. They believed God and they proclaimed a fast. And everyone, great and small, put on a sackcloth. So this is what I love about the story, is that this very strange sermon is preached, probably the strangest sermon in all of Scripture. Probably the worst sermon in all of Scripture. And it reaches every single person in a city. And a city that we know was over 120,000 people. 
Even though Jonah didn't want this message to be heard by everyone because he didn't want them to repent at the end of the day, they still all heard it. Every corner of that city, everyone great and small, that meant from the lowest of the low in the city to the highest of the high. This is what amazing if we continue on to the next verse. See, and the news even reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne. He removed his robe, covered himself with a sackcloth, and he sat in ashes. And then he made a proclamation in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. No human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. This is, again, where I think this story gets a little silly, but I love it. Because this, this is why I think this is a really funny image in my head. Is that, can you imagine, like, being the soldier trying to put a sackcloth on a cat? Or on a cow? <laughs> but it says that every animal was covered in sackcloth. This king took this so seriously that he said every single person needs to get covered in sackcloth. Every single person needs to, not, needs to fast. And then we need to cry mightily to God. Cry mightily to him. Because then it says this. Cry mightily to God and all shall turn from their evil ways and from their violence that is in their hands. Who knows? Maybe God will relent and change his mind. He may turn his fierce anger so that we do not perish. See, these people who heard a message that was hopeless... A message that was lacking of mercy, lacking of grace, lacking of love. Still believed that God was those things. Which I just find so fascinating. A message that did not go into deep into the character of God. They still understood it. They were like, you know what, maybe if we really turn from our evil ways. Something that Jonah didn't tell them to do. Maybe God will relent. Maybe God will see that if we truly do change, that he'll have his grace on us. That he'll have mercy for us. And then it says, And God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. This is what I love that is about the story, is that we get these people who probably... Like, we know from history that the city of Nineveh was a very evil city. It was, they were not good people. And people that probably, at the end of the day, probably didn't deserve forgiveness, probably didn't deserve repentance. But they still got it. And they understood what God was calling them to, and they had a real change of heart. And, you know, this is where the story gets interesting. Because I don't know about you guys, but when I... When I hear someone who was not right with God, who was living in sin, who was living in lust and anger and addiction, and they come to a place of forgiveness, I want to jump up and down. I want to celebrate. Because I'm excited about that. Because I'm excited because God's doing a deep and inner work among a person. A person that was lost and is now found. And that is amazing. That is blessed. And that is wonderful. That's how I hoped Jonah would have responded. 
I hoped that Jonah would have saw a change of heart when he saw the people repenting. But again, and again, Jonah is a character of disappointment. And he doesn't. <laughs> so when we get to this next passage of scripture, which again is really interesting, which is in Jonah 4, it says this, But this was very displeasing to Jonah. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is this not what I said while I was in my own country? Is this not why I fled to tarnish at the beginning? For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. This is the most confusing part of scripture in my mind. Jonah, in this moment, is mad that God is who God is. I find this so fascinating. And Jonah isn't, ma- Jonah isn't really mad that God is merciful, that God is loving, that God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Because those are all things that Jonah benefits from. And we've seen that in that story. These are all things that God has been to Jonah throughout this story. God has been merciful. God has been gracious. God has been loving. God has been slow to anger. And God has been ready to relent from punishing towards Jonah. But why Jonah is so mad is because he doesn't think other people deserve those things. He says, no, I deserve them, but Nineveh doesn't. And that's, again, that's why this character, this man of Jonah, I just struggle with him so much. It's because he is this selfish man that believes that he only deserves the blessings of God. And I read this and I hate this because I relate to it. Because <laughs> I've been there, because I've been there, been like, why do they get something when I deserve it? I know we've all been there. We've all been children. We've all had, like, I'm sure a lot of you guys have had siblings. <laughs> a lot of times I thought, my brother didn't deserve that present I did. <laughs> but then as an adult... You know, feeling like, well, why did they get that raise? I deserved that. They don't deserve blessings, only I do. We've been there. And I love how God ends this passage, which is, well, first let's get to how Jonah, no, go back, sorry. First let's get this. Jonah, it's, again, this overdramatic man. And now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> so this man is ready to die because other people received blessings. Ridiculousness. And then the Lord says this question that always hits me like a ton of bricks. Is it right for you to be angry? Oof. Is it? <laughs> and what I love is there's a couple questions that God asked Jonah in this book, and we never get Jonah's response. And that's kind of important that Jonah doesn't respond. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But I want you to keep that in mind, the questions that Jonah doesn't respond to. You know, and Jonah is just in this state of, like, seeing people repent, and he's in this bitter place. 
I don't know you, but I've been in that bitter place. I've been in that state. But you still hope that he gets better. So I want to continue on in this passage. So then Jonah went out of the city, and he sat east of the city. He made a booth for himself there, and he sat under in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. So I think this is interesting. Because Jonah was just in the city of Nineveh, and he saw the people repent. He saw the people change. He saw them become better people. And he still said, well, maybe God will still destroy them. So I want to watch that. (laughs) This is an interesting character that is often hard to relate to. And the Lord appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah and gave shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came out the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered when the sun rose. God appointed a sultry east wind. The sun beat down on his head of Jonah so that he would faint, so that he might die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. This character, this man of Jonah is, this is what's so interesting about the story is that I, it's that Jonah, again, like I said last week, he's not a likable character. Like you read the story and you're like, I just don't get you. Like you see people change and you're not excited about it. And he just, again, is so bitter and angry with God. Again, just because God is being who God said he would be. Just because God is being who he said he would be. And then we get to this last part of Jonah, this very end. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this bush? And Jonah responds, yes, angry enough to die. Again, this man is very (laughs) overdramatic. He's this overdramatic man. And God says, you are so concerned about this bush for which you did not labor for it and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons? who do not know their right hand from their left, and also so many animals. And then the book of Jonah ends. One of the weirdest endings in scripture. (laughs) It is strange. It just ends there. And again, we don't get Jonah's response. I would like to think, in like a perfect world, that Jonah's response would have been like, yeah, God, you're right. I I was wrong. I don't understand. I I need to better myself. But looking at this character, Jonah, that probably wasn't his response. But at the end of the day, Jonah's response actually doesn't matter. His answer to this question does not matter. Yours does. The book of Jonah, at the end of it, this question... As much as it was posed to Jonah, it's posed to us as the reader. And yeah, okay, this is 
may sound like a weird question to ask. Should you not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city, which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the right hand from the left, and also many animals? Okay, that may not make sense to you in your context. But let's rearrange this question into the heart of the question. Are you okay with God loving your neighbor? Are you? Yeah? Okay, good. Let's ask a harder question. Are you okay with God loving your enemy? Good. You guys are great. You guys are better than me. <laughs> this is a hard question. It's hard. And this is the question that God at the end of the day is asking Jonah. Throughout this whole story, again and again and again, God is asking, Jonah, are you okay with God, with me loving your enemy? And again and again, we see that Jonah at the end of the day is not we see that Jonah flees from, from Jerusalem to Tarnish because he's afraid that God will love his enemy. We see that when God does love his enemy and actually gives them forgiveness and does not destroy them, Jonah complains to God about who he is. He complains to God that he is loving, that he is caring, that he is merciful, that he is gracious. That is... Are we okay with that? Are we okay with God truly loving our enemies, truly saying, yes, God, you can love them? Are we okay with God loving people that have different political opinions than us? People that have different religious opinions than us? Are we okay with God loving everyone, no matter what they've done? Because this is something that I struggle with. I'm just being honest here. <laughs> I, I wish that I was perfect. I wish that I could be like, yeah, loving my enemies is really easy. And I'm okay with God loving them. But here's the... But it, the thing is, okay, I can love my enemy. That, but it doesn't end there. That doesn't end there. You know, because this idea is expanded upon in Matthew 5 which is this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So here's my question to you now. You're okay with loving your enemy. Are you, are you ready to pray for your enemies? And not just pray for them, not just to be like, God, uh, pray for Susie. But to be like, God, I want you to pray blessings upon Susie. Not just the slight, you know, it says here, what I love what, God, what Jesus says in this passage is this. As he says, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God is prepared to bless everyone. And are you okay with that? Are you okay with God truly giving blessings to your enemy? Truly sending rain to those who you think don't deserve it? But I love what Jesus says here. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? For that's easy. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? For if you greet only your brothers and sisters, 
What more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is what I love about the book of Jonah. Is that the book of Jonah is a book of challenge. It's a, a ridiculous story about a selfish prophet who hated God for loving his enemies. But among that story, among this ridiculous story, among this story about this character who is unrelatable, this character who we often look at it with a bit of disgust, there is this powerful biblical truth in it. This powerful biblical truth that I just want to be better at, that I want to be greater at which is this understanding that God is calling us to a higher standard of love. A standard that is perfect. A standard that says you will be okay with God loving your enemies. You will be okay with God blessing your enemies. In fact, you will do what you can in your most to say, God, how can I pray for my enemies? God, how can I pray blessings upon them? How can I be thankful? And not only that, but that when God gives blessings to your enemies to be like yes God thank you for giving them that blessing thank you for giving them that anointing thank you for giving them what they deserve because what we think they deserve is not what they deserve because what Jonah thought Nineveh deserved was destruction what Jonah thought Nineveh deserved was no chance was no grace was no mercy and no love and I get that. Sometimes we think that about our enemies. But what our enemies deserve is what God thinks they deserve, which is grace, which is love, which is mercy, which is a God that is slow to anger. And this is why I love this story at the end of the day. This is why I love the story of Jonah. It's because it's a story about a flawed human being through and through being that we're not sure ever changes. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is, would you have changed? Are you willing to be better than Jonah? Are you willing to say that I'm willing to be called to a higher standard of love? I am willing to meet that expectation of love. That when God says, you will bless your neighbor, you will bless your enemy. You will be better than Jonah. You will not hesitate, but you say, yes, God, I will meet that call. Yes, God, bless those who hurt me. Yes, God, bless those who do me harm. Yes, God, bless those who think differently than me. It's a hard, difficult challenge, at least for me. It's a challenge that I, starting today, am ready to meet. So let's all stand together as we pray this morning. Dear God, this morning I thank you so much for the story of Jonah because it sheds a light of who you are, which is this amazing God who is merciful, who is gracious, who is loving, who is slow to anger, who is perfect. God that will love those who I struggle to love. And God, I just pray this morning that everyone in this room, everyone in this building 
would learn to love those who they struggle to love. That they would be told how to pray blessings for those who they struggle to pray blessings for. That we would learn to be thankful when others receive blessings when we do not. God, I just pray your blessings on all these people and all their enemies and all of their neighbors and all of their friends and all the people that they encounter. The blessings would spread out from this church because we pray blessings for people because that is the kind of church that we are willing to be, God. I pray this in your heavenly, heavenly name. Amen. Amen.